3: So start off by telling me, are you really fine?
2: Welcome to No Really, I'm Fine. This is a safe space, a place that makes mental health the conversation. Sit back and listen to inspiring stories with no judgment or stigmas, Just real people sharing their real journeys. One in four of us experiences mental health problems each year, with one in six of us being affected every week. Whether you're stressed, anxious, sad, numb, or just fine, we're here to listen and share experiences. These podcasts are here to help. And if you think you need it, we'll be signposting you in the right direction to support every single week. It's easy to feel small in an empty world but speaking out could be someone's first step to recovery.
1: Um, welcome to Andy's Man Club, guys. Andy's Man Club at Leeds. Good to see some familiar faces and some, uh, some uh, returning. Um, start off from um, just sort of like introductions and a positive reason um, why, you, why you've come to, to the group this evening.
2: This is what a typical evening at Andy's Man Club sounds like. It's a weekly discussion group for men to open up about their mental health. It was founded in 2017 by Luke Ambler after his brother-in-law Andy Roberts took his own life the previous year. Luke, a former professional rugby player, wanted to create this safe space for men in crisis to open up to others in a similar situation. There are now 20 clubs run across the country by volunteers. What you're hearing now is an example of what a normal evening sounds like, simulated by real participants.
1: A positive reason why why I come to Andy's Man Club and I come each Monday is um, sort of release the pressure valve a little bit of, of, of um, the life's pressures that build up. I uh, find it a good way just to let off some steam and, um, and share. Uh,
2: my name's Uh Positive reason why I come to Andy's Man Club is it's part of the rebuilding process after I had a breakdown last year. Uh, my name's Tom, Uh
1: positive reason why I come to Andy's Man Club is for me it's the foundation and the constant for my week to uh, to build on moving forward. My name's Richard Smith, I'm 46 years old. Uh, well, my journey starts uh, many years ago when I was in my teens. didn't realise it at the time but looking back I, I, I suffered with depression back in my teens. Then in my early 20s, my brother died um, unexpectedly and suddenly, and again, I, I never grieved through, through that process because we, you know, we were just always taught to get through it, you know, you know, man up about it. I got married when I was 30. I had a breakdown after my second child. It culminated in a year, a year ago. I I was pulled out of the sea up in Northumberland. Um, I was sectioned and brought brought down to the Becklin Centre in Leeds, where I I had um, a a couple of weeks in there. I didn't find it helpful at all. I found it more stressful. But I. I came out of the Becklin Center and within 12 hours I tried to commit suicide again. And I spent all last Christmas in there, away from my family, away from everyone. I came out in mid-January with a, I suppose, a kind of new determination to, to try and fix myself. But also still a stubbornness inside me that knew that I was still on a path that would lead to another suicide attempt. So from January, I started coming to come into Andy's Man Club, and I walked in a broken person. I, I I came and you know just talked talked about everything that I, I needed to, to talk about. And listened, you know, to other people. It, it was probably the hardest thing I've ever done, but it was also the easiest thing I, I, I've ever done. You know, it, it was it was scary, but it, at, at the same time, it was the you know the, the weight that gets lifted off you.
3: My mum was saying the other day that she, I, she didn't go for a wee without me until I was five years old because I just like couldn't leave her side and I was very kind of nervous. And it's funny, I think whenever you go to therapy and stuff, they make you try and track it back really early. and Yeah, <laughs> that. You know, yeah, and also then it's like, well, I don't, I don't know. I was always quite anxious, but I was definitely okay. And then when I was 14, I had this operation on my back, which went something went wrong in it and I was basically in suddenly in having gone from like no pain nothing barely went to the doctors I was in chronic pain for three years um I couldn't really walk Does this specific scoliosis operation mostly happens to teenage girls and so they said to me you know you'll be fine you'll be walking in a day you'll be back at school in a week and I was like great I'm just gonna watch Grey's Anatomy and like Everyone's going to be nice to me and bring me sweets. Um, and then
2: with McDreamy. Yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's going to be Grace Anatomy and I'm going to be watching Grace Anatomy. It's going to be heaven. Um, and then I woke up and already we knew something was wrong because I was just in complete agony. And during that time I was always very insistent that I was fine. I was like, would sort of really egg up this idea that I was dealing with it really well and I was you know I had my blog and I was like would wear pink every day and I was really chirpy and I did loads of crafts and baking and I think I felt like if I said how much I was struggling it would become about that not about figuring out what was wrong with me physically I was 17 and then 18 and then 19 and I had all these issues and depression anxiety and PTSD but then as the years went on like I dropped out of school, I didn't get A-levels, my friends got A-levels, I was falling behind, I didn't have any friends, I couldn't socialise, all this stuff, like on and on and on and on. And you, the the hellish thing about mental health issues like this is you, it starts with the problem and then you get into a position where your life is quite depressing in itself and actually if anyone was dropped into it they'd be sad anyway. So for me, getting out of it was always this like two-handed process of trying to pull back some elements of normalcy in my life and also trying to heal my brain and do that kind of inner work
0: I was living up in the Highlands of Scotland um with my wife. We've been married for about eight years and our little girl, and uh I've been going through, I'd gone through over sort of a period of a couple of years, a couple of very, very difficult working situations. I'm not, I'm not great with authority. I'm not, I'm a bit of a wild animal. I think it's, it's not all their fault, but, but no, I had a particularly harrowing experience in a job which really walloped me and, you know, these things have a knock on in your, in your private life. And maybe your private life has a knock on in your job as well, a vicious circle. Anyway, things kind of came slowly came to a head and well, not really a head, more of an impasse. And at a certain point during that, my wife decided that for her to want to be married anymore. And as a result, I had to, I had to move out. And so I basically, you know, I ended up, uh, you know, in one fell swoop, basically homeless. My job, contract was coming to an end within three weeks um the the thing that crushed me as I say was if anyone who's a parent being told you can't live in the same house as your child like I mean it's still a fill up even saying that out loud anyway within within 12 hours of this happening I was I was in a hospital I wasn't sectioned um I you know I ended up by the morning i st- I don't know how this happened really I don't know the details to this day but my Within a few hours, you know, I sort of grunted a, an agreement of "Yeah, fine," and we ended up in the hospital, which is in a very remote place in the, the Highlands of Scotland. I remember sitting down on the bed, just thinking, "I'm not really sure geographically where I am," which was very strange. Felt like, you know, the first thing as well, like I'm incarcerated here, you know, because I was locked in on an open ward kind of thing, but on, in a room with four people, and I. It was frightening, but the overriding thing was right. It's sink or swim time, mates, you know, where do you go from here? And and I just promised myself and I, and I promised my daughter right there and then that I'm going to, I'm just going to keep moving forward, whatever that means and however I do it. And in the first instance, that was just go to sleep and have a rest, you know, amazing, amazing experience to be in a place where, Nobody judges you because you're all in the same boat, you know. <laughs> One guy was in a boat. He still believed he was in the Merchant Navy, which he'd been in 50 years before. And he, he believed I was the captain of his ship. And uh, I had to tell him where we were sailing every day. There were things like that. It was, And you just got on with it. And you just, you know, I, I just accepted everyone for who they were. They were great with me. And I realized I wasn't going to recover in there. I had to get out, see how I really felt when I got out. And got home uh, I collapsed on the floor you know in, in pieces and cried for hours you know I
4: remember kind of getting out of the car my dad was here as well um and just being so nervous because really a lot rode on this you know I wanted to get on with my life and um I wanted to get the help, and you know, I was nervous because I'd been actually sent away by um, another service because um, because I'd been in hospital, my weight was stable again, and actually, you know, I was then put lower down on the waiting list, and I was so worried that I'd be told the same thing um, because actually, it wasn't about weight, and I was struggling like mentally. Um, so I came to this door where we are now. You ring the bell. <laughs>
2: And this is where you started to do your therapy here?
4: It is, yeah. So um, I, you know, getting the letter... Come in. Thank you. (laughs) So, yeah, getting the letter and being told that I can actually, you know, receive therapy was really helpful. So kind of come round here, go to the reception and then round here to the waiting room.
2: This is the voice of Roseanne Evans. She was a patient for more than two years at the retreat for anorexia nervosa and autism. She now works at the centre as an expert by experience and shares her own stories with people going through similar struggles as she has.
4: I think when I look back when I was quite young, I recognised certain things, so I kind of had to follow rules. And, I mean, I feel like I've come a long way in to be able to open up, so... To start with, when I first diagnosed with anxiety and OCD, um, I actually remember I, I was at school and I lied to my friends about where I was going. I said, my mum needs me home, um, but I was actually going to therapy. I just, I couldn't tell them, and I, I felt so ashamed of the fact that I was struggling and I was, you know, having all these thoughts. And the way I describe it, it's like, if you um, have... Little islands of values. So, for example, I value my family, my friends. um, I love playing squash. I value being a kind and caring person. One by one, the eating disorder takes those things away from you. So, I was isolating myself from my friends. So, that kind of island felt like it was falling down. Um, I was actually lashing out at my family. I was hitting doors, kicking, you know, kicking things because I was so frustrated. So, that relationship was deteriorating it takes all of those values away from you and the only thing left is the eating disorder so it's your you see it as your only way of coping and it makes it so difficult to then build those islands back up because because you don't know what you're going to be if you let if you let that eating disorder go because you feel it's the only thing left and that's how i felt um me at first it wasn't speaking about it i actually wrote a song and wrote some poetry and I showed that to my teacher. And that's how I used to, another thing about, you know, the retreat, I used to bring those songs and those letters and poetry in and show my therapist because I couldn't speak to him. Playing him that song and actually doing that then led me to be able to talk more and to open up to people. And I've never found anyone kind of say um, anything particularly negative about the fact that you know i am receiving help for for things so for me having that kind of experience and being in a good place myself and i genuinely am the happiest that i've ever felt um i feel like having you know that past and that journey just there's a reason for it and i feel like it now allows me to to help other people and that's how i see it progressing you know that's what i'd like to do and take something quite negative and difficult for me and for my family um, and friends and everyone who knows me um, and make something positive out of it and you know that's what I want to do.